Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biomast. I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. We're on episode 141. I'm, I have not prepared a snazzy 141 number fact for you, but Jay might be able to come up with something. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of gaming stuff to talk about this week, and uh, hope we have some time for a couple discussions that were brought to us by our listeners. So without much further ado, let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I play Black Desert, Overwatch, uh, some VR games, um, you know, various things. All right, and Libby? Libby, got an introduction for us? Okay, we'll come back to her. Um, old Man Logan, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? This is Jason. Uh, just uh, one of the... One of the occasional yet semi-regular uh, hosts here on Biomast, and uh, looking forward to talking to you. We've got quite a few good things on the topic tonight, uh, topics tonight, uh, some random gaming and movie trailer stuff. Uh, the only thing I can come up with on the top of my head for 141 is that uh, the C-141 Starlifter is one of the largest military aircrafts in our inventory. I've, I've flown on them a couple times. They're... they're redonkulously huge and uh there's I don't, i'm not even sure if they fly anymore but uh but they did at least a up through probably about the mid 2000s uh that's that's the only thing you can come up with i know that there's actually something on the atomic table with with 141 but i i, I just absolutely can't remember the name of it right now too, too many syllables right yeah, we're, we're running well, out of uh yeah when you, when you get past about 115 they're all like the i mean the, the, it's it's like some shit J.R.R. Tolkien would come up with when you try to pronounce them. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, good stuff. And, uh, of course, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show, and I write for the blog sometimes and run the Twitch stream. So, uh, yeah. So we've got a lot of stuff, mostly gaming, but a couple movie and film-related stuff. So let's start off with that. Um, new Ghost in the Shell trailer. Did you guys check it out? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it looks uh, a lot of the same shots from the, the previous trailer, but they, they kind of looks like they dive a bit more into kind of what to expect from the story and whatnot, which I think was actually kind of telling and important for, you know, comparing what this film is likely going to be about compared to the original piece. Uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me is that it seems like, because in the original, if you haven't seen the movie, they, they kind of leave the origin of the major a little more um, open-ended. They kind of want to be this open-ended question of, of where she came from and, and what who she is and what she is exactly and it seems like from what i, I gleaned from the trailer they're going to probably dive into that a little more concretely and maybe give like a definitive answer or at least lean towards a certain answer that's kind of the tagline of the film is they didn't save your life they stole it from you um which you know is it, it's definitely a pretty big departure i think in terms of kind of how the previous work played out because there was a pretty important scene where she contemplates you know where did i come from and it's not really resolved and i, I think that that's that's kind of important however um in later iterations of the series in the anime or multiple animes actually they, they do kind of get a little more definitively into where she came from and in many cases depending on which reboot you're looking at it's different um so I think in, in, in this case, it, it's probably okay if, if they're going to be a little more um, concrete with their explanation because there isn't really any particular canon answer. Um, and obviously the original creator wasn't afraid of you know specifying where she came from for that particular iteration. So, you know, we'll have to see. This is still one that I'm kind of kind of iffy on and if it's actually gonna you know stand up to the original if if they stick to the the core material, I think it'll do quite well if they deviate you know, from it in some important ways or a lot of ways, 
Um, it's a little riskier. It could still be good, but you know, it's something that you got to be careful with. I think in this kind of uh, this kind of story that that's so timeless. Yeah, you know, just taking a look at the uh, sort of the visuals in the in the trailer one, uh, the, and, and I saw this when the first trailer came out. It, they are uh, at least and now truth and lending. A lot of trailers look really good, as as we said many times, uh, but the visual tone of it is really, really, uh, you know, definitely gives you the vibe that there's almost a shot for shot sort of uh, remake of the, of the original anime, the 1995 anime. Uh, now that being said, if, if that is, if that is what they do with this and actually just recreate the original anime, but in live texture, you know, I, I would actually be pretty okay with that. Uh, now that being said, I do think that, you do have this huge uh, sort of backlog of, of stuff that, you know, this, it's a pretty deep world that, uh, that they, they put together in terms of like uh, the ghost in the shell sort of, you know, kind of world when you look at uh, uh, what they actually have done over the years with the, like multiple movies. And, and I think they like two, two different series as, as well as I, I think. Um, so they could be adding onto it or changing it or bringing other components to some of those other shows. And, I, I'm just interested to see how see where they go with it because this was a, a pretty uh, very much like I think the uh, the film that or the anime film that brought it into brought anime more or less into I'm not going to say mainstream because it's not quite mainstream yet in the U.S. but definitely sort of put it out there as a as a form of uh, like legitimate movie art so to speak uh, so I'm kind of keen to see it but it does look very crisp very sharp. Uh, I did a couple, did a little bit of hunting and pecking for some other like still images and things like that. And they get a lot of the background characters uh, quite well. You see her partner, uh, uh, Batu. Uh, he's, Batu. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's actually a pretty, pretty big part in quite a few of the series uh, played by a guy. I can't remember his name, but he's, I want to say he's like a Dutch, uh, Dutch actor or something like that. You know, looks the part. Seems like it seems like they captured quite a bit of it pretty good, and I did had to check. I did have to check. Uh, that was uh, Depeche Mode's uh, "Enjoy the Silence." That's the the remake or the remix that you hear in the trailer. I just just for for kicks, I wanted to see when that came out versus the original Ghost in the Shell. That came out in 1990, and uh, Ghost in the Shell the movie uh, hit in five. It was, it was a little off for some reason. In, in my head, I kind of connected them as a little bit closer. I thought maybe they, they had pulled something from the year that the movie came out, which would have been kind of a neat little throwback. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, they, they've they've definitely paid you know really good attention to the, the visual detail. I mean, it, it's very clearly a, a Ghost in the Shell uh, film. If you've, you're familiar at all with with the universe of the world, um, they they actually nailed it pretty well, and I'm I'm, I'm glad for that because it is is quite iconic, and you know, kind of we. we through back to we were talking about Blade Runner a few weeks ago. It's kind of along those those same lines. I'm I'm glad that they nailed that. Um, it's it's gonna like you said. I'm, I'm waiting to see how they they handle it. Um, I think it it could be done very well, and I think it would probably drive a lot more interest in the series as a whole, which I think is good because it, it actually is a very um a pretty deep series in terms of you know concepts and and philosophy and stuff like that. It would be good to see people kind of a little more interested in seeing you know because I mean aside from being an anime, I think it's it's the series as a whole is actually quite good in terms of social commentary and, and philosophy and stuff like that. So it's a, a, a piece of work. I think people tend to not see or watch because of its medium of being an anime. And I, I would hope that 
having a successful anime live action film in the West um, could actually kind of push, you know, audiences towards some of the other material that, that is probably overlooked for, for, you know, reasons that they just may not be interested or they've got a, a bad misconception about it. So um, I'm looking forward to, like you said, what, how they handle it and what they do with it. And I, I do hope that it's received well, at the very least to, to kind of drive some more interest in, in anime or ghost in the shell as a whole. No, that, that's actually, it's actually pretty good. Um, quick, quick random note as I was sitting here getting my Google foo on when you were talking, um, the guy that plays, uh, uh, Beto is a guy named Pilo uh, Aspike, uh, and he also plays Euron Greyjoy in uh, Game of Thrones. So, like the, the guy, the the pirate that's always talking about uh, the size of his dick and killing people, that guy. Uh, it, so it should be should be relatively interesting. And here's a funny note: he was also in the movie Lucy with Scarlett Johansson, and you could argue that Scarlett Johansson is now pretty much in the mode of playing Scarlett Johansson. Uh, with Black Widow, Lucy, and now the Major, because they all sort of are—you could get kind of the same effect, maybe for slightly different reasons. But I'd like to forget that the movie Lucy existed, though. Honestly, it sucked. I'm just gonna I, say it. Uh, I, I would, I, I would say that there were. It looked. It, it. If I watched, if I remember that, if I remember correctly, that movie reminded me of. If I watched like a bunch of really cool like seven to eight minute YouTube shorts that were not really designed to be, they're like sort of like thematically the same, but by a bunch of different directors and maybe had some of the same actors in them. That's what it, Lucy felt like. There's a lot of it that looks pretty good. There's some like some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff in it, but absolutely like no, no story whatsoever <laughs> involved in that thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, and this kind of goes back to, like you said, though the role she plays is the role she plays. I think it, you know, there was a lot of controversy involving her playing this role. But honestly, if you look at everything else she's done and the kind of film she's been doing, she's actually a really solid pick. And if you look at the original material, even though it's animated, she actually looks quite a bit like the original you know, animated character. So I, I think, you know, my, my opinion of it has changed quite a bit over the, over the years when we've been working on this. And I think she's actually going to do quite well. Um, regardless of how the film plays out, I think she'll, she'll play the role very well. She, she fits it perfectly more or less. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely tend to agree with that. Um, like I said, you know, the, the tone of the movie, at least so far looks pretty solid. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm very interested to see it. I've been a fan of the anime for a long time. Now I'll be honest with you. I don't know very much of anybody else in that movie. Like I, I, I'm not sure I could tell you. I mean, like short of getting, you know, like checking it out on like uh, IMDb. I don't I don't know much else about who's in that movie, if there's anybody else in it, uh, because there's there are some fairly iconic characters in there that, you know, would be kind of interested, interesting to see what they're going to do with that. Uh, but as far as I can tell, it's it's a, a pretty thin list once you get past Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I would tend to agree. And and you know, that, that can actually work to great effect in, as we've seen in other films. So, you know, it's it's interesting, but they, they obviously had to have their, their anchor actor to kind of sell the, the flick. But I'll be curious to see how they the other the other uh, actors perform their roles, because like you said, it's quite iconic. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll definitely see. So I'm, yeah. I'm certainly yeah. looking I'm, forward to it. Yep. Me too. All right. Uh, so when did it come out? When did it come out? Uh, the one that I didn't, I didn't check. You're, you're killing me. 
Uh, looks like March, March 31st is the uh, right. uh, yeah. tentative release date. All right, sounds good. All right, so moving along here, um, kind of going into the more gaming realm. So as as I'm sure most of you are probably aware, we're, we're moving into the, the Chinese uh, lunar year here. We're going into the year of the rooster. So uh, as one would expect, there's lots of gaming events going on, and, and one that I'm sure Zell is probably excited for is Overwatch. So, Zell, what's going on with this? Um, well, so, uh, the, you know, Blizzard games are, are a pretty big deal in, uh, in China. They take the, uh, the events pretty seriously and, uh, you know, they've, they've had a wow lunar festival event for a really long time. Um, and, uh, they've now added, um, I, I think they did last year for here's the storm as well, but the, for overwatch it's, it's new. And, uh, so they have a whole ton of lunar festival specific skins, um, and emotes and, and, uh, highlight intros and stuff like that, various unlockable things, um, and you get your your custom Lunar Festival loot boxes, and um, they have. Uh, so, so this is the the year of the rooster, and so um, they their kind of special game mode for the event is uh, capture the rooster, which is their their capture the flag version, um, which uh, is is actually it's kind of an interesting uh, case because they've been trying to do capture the flag in Overwatch since well before it was released. And it doesn't work very well, as the case is. Um, it's uh, they, they've constantly struggled with the uh, the challenges of uh, getting Capture the Flag to play well in uh, with Overwatch's heroes. They've tried things like you know disabling some of the heroes' abilities when they have the flag or something like that. But it's very you, you know then they felt that it didn't have enough. It didn't feel like Overwatch. Um, but when you allow everyone to have their abilities. Um, you know, the, a lot of the movement potential in Overwatch is, is kind of extreme compared to, to many games with Capture the Flag. So, um, but nonetheless, they've been getting requests for Capture the Flag since the game originally came out. It's one of their highest requested features. And so they decided for the short-term event, sure enough, that they were going to release a Capture the Flag mode. Uh, so people could at least see how it goes. Um, and... <laughs> Unsurprisingly, there's there's been a ton of actual complaints about their event mode, saying you know it's it's broken this and broken that, and and they literally were like, yeah, we know, but you keep asking for it, so here it is. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting. There's a, there's a heck of a lot of draws in it. it. It's very easy to turtle up and defend everything, um, and then or but once a team like gets kind of a rhythm going they can go really really quick and you know finish the game in less than a minute so it, it's 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 interesting now this is running on uh right now have you had a chance to try it out yet i have and and i i would generally agree with the community's view on that it's uh very uh it it doesn't work particularly well as a game mode for overwatch yeah i, I could see some issues probably coming from that so it, it looks like they they've actually added quite a bit of additional content it looks like a ton of cosmetics um several of the characters have uh you know chinese themed um outfits that you can get and then lots of spray paints and i think some additional taunts and stuff like that so i mean it, it looks like they, they've put quite a bit of effort into this one and there is a the the other um the other uh debate community debate is that uh may has a skin that is in like a you know lunar festival garb and her waist is too too narrow for the character, and and this has been like seen as this, you know, scandal fiasco because of this ongoing debate on uh, whether May is actually is, is like a fairly wide character or if it's just the heavy winter coat she wears because she's from a cold you know a, a cold station she deals with ice. Um, 
that's that's been the you know this the uh overwatch designer scandal and they said that it is a bug and that they are going to fix the skin to make it wider again right a bug that's that's Mm -hmm. an interesting bug when your geometry is different (laughs) in a particular way like that yeah it it was uh it, it was pretty funny and i i i generally would prescribe to the theory that that's a really thick looking winter coat so i i wasn't surprised to see the skin be a little different i honestly didn't notice until i noticed people were but it made sense to me when i looked at it but uh no they're gonna fix it because i guess there is a a uh, large crowd of people who are um who identify with the character um as not you know having a non-traditional body type and being a, a hero in this game but she's evil but she's 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 pure she's- evil Oh, yeah, the the Overwatch controversies are always a little bit much for me. <laughs> I don't know if I can deal with that. Yeah, I, I when I saw the, the skin before I, I, I heard of this controversy, I was like, okay, yeah, she's got a, a dress on. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. And it was, she was thinner because, like you said, she's normally wearing a winter coat. And, you know, those things make you look terrible because, you know, you live in Chicago. You know what it's like. So... <laughs> I look terrible either way, but you know, I'm just. Well, I'm I'm just saying, like, like you cannot judge someone's figure while they're wearing a winter coat ever, because they, you know, it's a winter coat. So, you know, personally, I I thought it looked fine, but you know, if it's causing issues and Blizzard feels it worth changing, then I, I guess, go for it. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's definitely it's, it's something that is interesting because so many more people seem to have like you know picked characters based on how they identify with them you know with their own own things in overwatch and it's gotten very uh very social justicey in certain respects um whenever there's you know a minor issue like this um but uh you know that kind of goes with there was actually some really the the other big landmark point is that uh overwatch uh has 25 million players is the mark that they hit recently so um presumably that's not active players but uh, you know entirely but in terms of people who have you know bought and installed the game which is a pretty big number no that's that's pretty solid yeah i think they're i think they're pretty happy with that that would be my guess i i mean i'd be happy with that that'd be you know that's that's uh you know money in the bank there at it's i don't know how like i don't know if if what the figure would be like for world of warcraft's total number of like individual people that played it over its lifetime but i know their record simultaneously player base was like 13 million and overwatch has only been out for a year so you know they've they've definitely had uh you know crazy success even by even by blizzard standards yeah no i mean i think they've definitely crafted a game and produced a culture that's you know it's going to take them a long way and and you know if you keep going with you know, pretty much constant content output. People are going to keep picking this thing up and, and, you know, buying things. It's, it's, it's obviously working for them, you know, and I think that Blizzard knows what they're doing. So I, I expect this trend to probably continue for quite a while, especially if they manage to kind of inch their way in as, you know, uh, an esport, you know, competitive game, which I, I think they're, they're actually doing pretty well at getting in that direction. So, you know, we'll, we'll probably see, you know, more of this in the future moving forward. Uh, but yeah, it looks like that event is currently running January 24th, so that's today, or not, not today, I'm sorry, five days ago, um, and going until February 13th. So you still got some time to get in on it if you have not already. Uh, another game that's got an event going is Heroes of the Storm, which, again, another Blizzard title um, featuring kind of a, a MOBA-style, top-down, uh, League of, of Legends-style game with kind of various Blizzard characters from, from 
tons of different games. Some some of them are actually from Overwatch too, right? Uh, yeah, they have uh, Zarya and Tracer from Overwatch are both uh, in Heroes of the Storm, but they didn't want to, uh, you know, they, they did Tracer promotionally, they introduced Zarya at one point, but they, they're they're kind of taking it slow on that because of the fact that um, the games do have a kind of a similar, you know, varying heroes style, even though they are different types of games. Um, they don't want uh, they don't want Heroes of the Storm to just become dominated by Overwatch. And um, even though kind of the ability sets and stuff actually translate very, very well, um, Tracer and Zarya's abilities in, in Heroes of the Storm are almost identical to their Overwatch abilities, despite being completely different types of games. Um but yeah, the, the Heroes of the Storm event, um, I, I I don't have as much to say about it. They do have some, you know, special Lunar Festival skins. They've got like a little starting area challenge to do. Um, and if you play 25 games with it, you unlock a mount that you can use, uh, you know, and a, a, a portrait for your, your profile. But that's about it. And that's also that's also through, um, I guess, the 14th you wrote. So maybe one more day than the, the Overwatch one. It's always challenging for me so, because... Yeah. I play Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm and I WoW too. And so I play all of their games and they all run their events for all their different games at the same time. So, um, you know, if you if you play multiple Blizzard games, actually, you get kind of hit with this, you know, period where you just have to, like, cram games in um, if you want to unlock everything. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's rough, man. That's why I just limited myself to the number of games I play or at least the number of events I'm going to, you know, actively participate in because they... You know, these things come up and everyone hops on. I think you see a lot more of these events coming up. And I mean, you, you just see them in, in MMOs a lot. But I mean, now with, with you know, games like Overwatch and, and Heroes of the Storm, those kinds of games are also doing events now, too. So you can have to pick and choose. Otherwise, like you said, you're you're cramming, you know, a, a lot of content in all at once, especially if they've designed the content such that, you know, it's meant to keep someone fairly well occupied for the duration of the event means that you really can't cram much of it in to a short period of time. You're, you're kind of expected to, you know, take the entire event to do it. So it, it can be rough. But yeah, this one looked a little less involved with the Overwatch one. I think that, you know, Blizzard sees Heroes of the Storm as a little bit of a, a smaller project. It, it's still successful, but but nothing like Overwatch. So they're they're obviously kind of putting their, their effort where they know it's going to make the biggest bang for their buck. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same stuff, you know, outfits for you know Chinese themes, things, the, the, the arenas are you know, different, different themes and some special effects going on here. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun stuff. I mean, it's probably nothing that's too crazy, but definitely worth checking out if you're, you know, a player of the game. So yeah, I think that's, that's it for uh, gaming events going on. And like I said, it's, it's, you know, the Lunar New Year is, is upon us. So that's kind of the, the big one going on right now. Um, so moving into some more general gaming news, uh, more trailers. So this is a big one, of course, uh, much awaited Mass Effect Andromeda got a new trailer, um, just recently, I think. And, and that one looks, looks pretty damn cool, I have to say. And with Mass Effect, you know, really a, a lot of what you see in, in trailers and stuff is, is pretty close to what you feel in the game. Um, it's a very, very cinematic experience. And, um, this really gave, I think the first, uh, impression of who kind of your your the villain you'd be dealing with in this game was um which they really haven't touched on at all on any previous trailers yeah i think this was probably one of the bigger storytelling ones the others were pretty open-ended like yeah we're going to a new planet it's gonna be great it's a different world this one's like okay here's the conflict here's the antagonist kind of what you should expect from the beginning of the story and, and why you're doing what you're doing and you know it, it all looks you know 
absolutely fantastic. There's just some really good, really good cinematography going on here. I mean, they, they do a good job making their games feel like a film. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you know, as bad as video game movies tend to go, I'm still surprised we haven't heard a Mass Effect movie, um, you know, in, in the works yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, now would be the time to probably go for it. I think they probably wouldn't want to mess with the old trilogy. And, and if they're kind of making a drama to be its own thing, you're opening up, I think, a, a better stage for, for storytelling where you can make a separate story that's not expected to be tied to, uh, you know, Shepard. This is obviously a new character. And you go, okay, well, maybe the movie could be about somebody else or, or something like that. You could reference the games, and, and that would be fun. But. I think the chances of it happening are probably a bit higher now than they were before. I think probably a lot of it depends on how Andromeda does and and what kind of reception they can they can get off of it because you know video games can sell the movie even if the movies are. Like I put money that Overwatch gets a movie before, movie before. Uh, oh. Mass Effect, and I'm not really saying the odds are high for either one. Although I would just offer that Overwatch probably has about you know, 45, 50 minutes of actual strung together, pretty well done, like animated shorts uh, that you can find, you know, on YouTube or wherever. Really, really well done. We've talked about them quite a few times. So if anybody's going to get a movie, it's probably them when they've got a bigger market. They can bridge to a different market appeal than Mass Effect. Um, And I think the danger with Mass Effect, and it's kind of like with Halo, to be honest with you, because they've they've tried a couple times to do some different stuff with Halo. The problem is if you don't, you like you desperately want to use like the iconic, like the Shepard character in there, because otherwise it'll just be like another sci-fi channel, uh, science fiction show with maybe some familiar sounding names. And even then, the the Shepard character is. It is to some degree design, designed to be a bit of an everyman that you that you play through. So there, there's a little bit to that. I think you could, I think you can absolutely do something pretty cool with it. And like you know, like you guys said, that they're you know the games are really well done. There's good story already there. There's a good there's a good backdrop for a story, but I'm not really sure what you could do. You know, another like save the galaxy kind of thing, uh, which is sort of the you know the shtick for Mass Effect. Um, but I think there's, I think there's quite a few games that really lend itself to potentially becoming a good movie. Mass Effect might be one, by the way, the trailer, which I watched right before the show looks pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'm not a huge Mass Effect fan, but I am kind of keen to check this one out. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I'm, uh, I'm a little, it's a little daunting to tackle the, the original trilogy at this point, just given my time availability. But this one, you know, especially since I believe it's, it's meant to be kind of a standalone game. They aren't really expecting to make this a trilogy. Um, that, you know, it, it feels good when I can, you know, pick this up and actually feel like I got the complete story, you know, in, in a single game. So this, this might be a good entry point for me personally, um, especially since it's, you know, newer gen technology and I'm not digging up eye-bleeding graphics on the original, which was a little jarring. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm also kind of keen on, on checking this one out. Uh, okay, so I think that's it for trailers, more or less. One thing I want to mention that, that did pop up, um, the Ghost Recon Wildlands, that's one of the new Tom Clancy games, uh, its beta sign-up is now available for all three platforms, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, the beta is running from February 3rd to the 6th, so it's just going to be a weekend. But if you want to sign up, uh, now's the time to do it. Um, this one I'm, I'm kind of iffy about, mostly because I'm bitter about Division, and it's kind of got that same 
line of thinking, and, and you all know that my my ever-growing irritation with open-world games has left me kind of uh, reluctant to hop on these these hype trains for these big open-world games. So we'll we'll see. I'm, I've signed up for the beta. I'm going to check it out on PC. Um, once I play it, I'll, I'll give a review on that one. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see on this one. I'm, I'm kind of, as I've said before, kind of reluctant to, to get too excited about this one. Now, is it truly designed as an open-world game, or is it sort of you know, destiny style open world where there's like, you know, big broad areas, which I think is kind of the trend that a lot of games are going to, you have these big broad sort of like, you know, open world slash MMOE kind of areas, but then you get into a bunch of instances where your mission is, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that the, the, the vibe I got is that it is like a big open map. It, it's not like destiny where it's, you know, instanced, um, but it is, it's not like an MMO. I think it's you're either by yourself or playing co-op with up to three other people, and you know you're you're running around. And there's there's main story missions and there's side missions you can do. So I would say, um, in a sense, like Fallout um, in that regard, but multiplayer. Uh, I'm not sure what the storytelling is going to be like, but in terms of actual gameplay and mission layout, it's probably you're you're flying around in your your helicopters and your jeeps or whatever, and, and picking up missions. And, and some are story related, which progress the the plot, and then others are you know probably just you know, small little mini missions like here, go clear out this this you know out or whatever. Um, you know, it's pretty standard stuff in that regard. I think. Well, I desperately hope that they have not basically reskinned the puppets from uh, the division and slapped them in this because that's uh, that would not yeah that'd be pretty uncool. I'm I'm a longtime Tom Clancy you know game game fan. Uh, I was. I, kind of cut my teeth on uh, all the rainbow, the original rainbow six stuff that came out, which was at the time, you know, uh, as far as, um, you know, the, the tactical FPS, if you will, that was, that was the gold standard for a very long time for anything outside of um, kind of the vein of like team fortress slash, you know, call of duty style stuff, you know, the kind of the fast switch run and gun, kind of thing uh the the tom clancy games over the years some of them have been phenomenal like like really really groundbreaking stuff and, and then, you know obviously you know any game series it's been that that long they've had a few misses here they've had some misses here and there but by and large uh, you know ubisoft has gotten at least with the time some of those tom clancy games more right than wrong uh the ghost recon stuff definitely was like a hard breakaway from the classic Rainbow Six stuff. Like, so conceptually, the Rainbow Six stuff is much more, you know, that tactical shooter. And there's a, or there can be a very significant and lengthy and detailed uh, planning process. And, and actually, the originals came with some really nifty, like, planning tools uh, where you would, like, really lay out what you wanted all the characters to do. Uh, the AI was actually relatively smart, you know, based on the scenario it was in. Whereas the Ghost Recon one was much more of um, uh, free flowing is not the right word, but it definitely had the tone of you know kind of the the modern, not quite open world, but like big box shooter, big sandbox shooter. Uh, so it it's definitely I'm definitely interested to see where this goes. Uh, I've I've seen the trailers like everybody else, but I, again with. I'm kind of curious to see which way they go. I hope they don't go the, down the direction that the division went, uh, which I I've pretty much I've done everything but delete that thing from my P, my PS4. Uh, 
so I'll be I will be kind of interested to see what they do with this, uh, and hopefully they leave some of the older older elements that made it attractive to me. You know, a little bit more of the tactical play in, but I'm, I'm don't think that that's probably going to survive contact. Yeah, and I don't believe that it is a a looter um, like like division is where you're you know rolling to you know grind out eight thousand guns to get the one that's got the best stats on so you can kill the bullet sponge boss i i don't think that's the the vibe i get from it that that's of what the gameplay we've seen so far it is a bit more along the lines of things like a tactical shooter um i I think there's there's lots of different kinds of guns but it's not really so much you know rpg style rolling stats to try to get you know that that style of play i think it's, it's probably a little more towards uh, classic Tom Clancy, like you described. I don't think it's quite to the degree of um, what was the one Siege, Rainbow Six Siege, um, but it, it, it's, it seems to be, be a bit more realistic in that regard. And I have heard that they said there's a difficulty mode you can select where you die in one shot. So I mean, it's it's not meant to be this you're a hulking behemoth tank division sort of thing. It's meant to be you actually have to know what you're doing. So th- that does seem promising. Now, if that actually plays out to be true in the final game, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to check this one out when the beta comes out and, and let you guys know my thoughts on it and how it compares to the division because that's that's kind of the parallel people are making. But we'll have to see uh, how close it actually is because if it is similar to division, I'm I'm gonna probably pass on this one just because I'm I'm kind of tired of that whole mess. I mean, they've made some improvements, but it's it's just not getting there, and I've got other stuff I want to play. So we'll see we'll see how they do. Yep. No, I'm I'm kind of on board with that. Like I said, pretty interesting. Uh, random other Ubisoft news. Have you checked out that game For Honor? Have you seen that the the kind of the medieval melee combat game? I have seen it. I I did not sign up for the beta, so I have not tried it though. Yeah, it, it's one of those that looks really good. Um, I've not seen it. I've seen a couple of videos of it. It's um, I. I have a feeling, though, that it will look really good and a lot of people will rush to it, you know, initially in the beta. The problem is any kind of melee game where you have, like, you know, 100 people on it, it's, like, you don't get crisp controls. Like, it's it's it'll be, you know, kind of like Dynasty Warriors or some kind of, you know, like, you know, kind of class, you know, like Korean slash... You know, Japan, yeah, it's well, not even that. It's, it'll probably be pretty, um, I, I think it'd be pretty rudimentary, and there'll probably be some stock animations. People get pissed off because they're, you know, they're watching their character go through a standard attack animation and get hosed, you know, somewhere. It's, uh, but it, it does look good. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea, or at least the premise of it, but, uh, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 kind of hoping somebody will pick it up on beta and I can talk to him about it or check it out. I, I haven't dove in, dove in onto the, onto the, uh, to the beta myself. So I was kind of looking for some first person, uh, first person feedback on it. Yeah. It's, if I can still get into the beta, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see. It was kind of low on my radar, but we'll, we'll see if we can get in there and then play around with it. Cause I, I think you're right that, you know, the, the trailers in the, in the, you know, scripted footage they had looked, fantastic but how that actually translates to to proper online multiplayer you know <laughs> it gets a little it gets a little iffy um just from previous examples of melee uh, online combat that i've i've personally tried so you know well that's one we'll also check out and, and kind of see but yeah that that one's also like i said low on my radar i'm not planning on hopping or, or on that or pre-ordering it which i fear bit acts might be tied to a pre-order which i think is completely asinine but um we'll, we'll have to see 
Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're probably right. I believe that there is, uh, I believe there is some some cashola uh, tied to this, which, I, in general, I'm, you know, I've been growing more and more uh, cautious with any kind of actual monetary outlay during a game's beta. Although I will say this, um, I actually am more okay with that because you can, it, you know, a beta is more or less a fairly extended play test. Um, you can you, like, or your test drive, if you want not a play test, but like, yeah, you check it out during the beta and you are effectively buying the game though. Uh, but you're getting your hands on it a little bit early and, and you can kind of get a sense of it. Whereas at least with the alpha, you're, you're, or not even the alpha, but like the straight pre-order, you're absolutely 100% absolutely buying that game. Damn near sight unseen, you know, not counting the trailers. So you're just hoping it's good and that the 80 bucks you paid for the pre-order to get the extra special like plus three sort of ass whipping or whatever that come in the pack you know is is going to be pretty legit uh whereas at least with you know when you do the beta thing you know you can buy into it and usually at a slightly reduced rate uh might get some perks you know if you stick around for the game or whatever but you you can kind of get a sense of it uh i'm i'm very cautious about pre-orders though generally if i haven't been able to like personally get my hands on it uh so just just a, a random thought there as i as i think through the library of all the different uh, games and stuff like that that i wish i had time to to pick up that are coming out here in the next year yeah another thing that Bates actually chatting with us on our, our, our he's, he couldn't make it on the show but he is listening in um apparently for honor requires you to always be connected online and only uses peer-to-peer servers which is <laughs> i've had really bad experience with that in the past so that's also kind of iffy especially in in a game that's you know melee centric where you know reaction time and, and stuff like that and animations is, is important uh, i don't trust peer-to-peer connections not even a little bit we, we've seen how that works in other games. <laughs> games oh yeah yeah no i mean i i a game that was an absolute flop that i was totally hyped for several years back was brink um which is kind of a, a free-running fps game which was this is well before titanfall so i mean it was it was kind of a a new thing for itself but it, it released uh entirely peer-to-peer servers on the console and it lagged so bad the game was unplayable for its entire duration, like it, it almost died immediately, um, you know, dead on arrival because of the lag from the, the peer-to-peer. So yeah, yeah, that, that you know, like I said, I'll try the beta and see how well they do it, but uh, that that makes me really nervous if that's their their networking. Yeah, I would have thought, to be honest with you, that we would have moved past that uh, in terms right? of uh, like modern games. I don't, I can't, I can't think of a game right now that you did multiplayer with peer to peer as a primary that really worked well, to be honest with you. It, it's, it's archaic and it's, I feel it's, it's lazy in the developers that don't want to put forth the money needed to actually run proper servers. And it, it just screws them in the end every time. I mean, you might get people that, that deal with it, but it, when everyone's used to actual hosted servers and they come to that, eh, their patience is very thin. Yep. No. Well, I th- I think that's the that's one of the things that you get that definitely like we you know we kind of chatted about gaming culture you know a couple of weeks ago on this one but um like me I I was I'm probably much more tolerant of uh a little bit of slowness random connection problems or you know like some general wonkiness 
than somebody like bait because i like a lot of the games that i play like i remember when games like there was no such thing as online connectivity in a console you know that that wasn't that was absolutely not a thing until until you know relatively recently by the way just you know in in the grand scheme of things uh, so I'm a little bit more tolerant of that kind of stuff, which is probably why I was in, inoculated to some of the general like uh, ridiculousness of Dust 514 when I first started playing that game. Uh, but nowadays, like, I, I think a guy like Bates age group, you know, that, like that young 20s, I think that, it, you know, as witnessed by his by his commentary, like, you mean you actually would like look people in the face and you'd like show up to somebody's house with a bunch of like dice and like notebooks and try to like talk in weird voices and play games. That's crazy talk. You know, I, I don't think I, I don't. Yeah. I, I think you got to have a super smooth online uh, offering when it comes out, if you want to hit that market. I, I mean, you, for example, game like Overwatch, really clean online gameplay, very, you know, very simple uh, hooks in no drama, no problems generally anyway. I think that's pretty much the standard for anything that you're looking to get a really, you know, like a platinum level mass market game out. Uh, beyond that, it might be a little, little bit different, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to see like how this will continue to progress, but yeah, the peer to peer thing, when I read that, that kind of, I'm sitting there looking at that right now after you told me that I absolutely can't, can't understand why they did that unless they just don't have the capability to host out on their own. Yeah, it's it's that that's really unfortunate because that you know that that could make or break even a good game could like like for my example like Brink was actually a decent game, um, but the the connectivity issues basically killed it you know and you could have For Honor be a very good game and it could just get killed because of the choice to to go peer to peer so you know hopefully I'm wrong but that that does kind of make me very very concerned about how well it'll actually run. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll try the beta if we can and, and let you guys know. Sounds like a plan. All right. So moving along, uh, got some reviews for you. Zell is going to do his uh, his VR game review segment. So, Zell, take it away. All right. Um, so uh, I uh, had a chance to get everything out again for, for the Vive this weekend. And actually, um, I finally cleared up enough space to do room scale VR setup. And I mounted one of the beacons to, um, uh, the, the corner, the wall at the corner of my kitchen. And I have a spot at my desk that's high enough for the other one. So, um, I just barely got enough space for the smallest possible room scale play area. They would allow, um, and technically a corner of it that I said was clear was not clear, but it was, it was good enough. It was, it was good enough to play. And, um, I actually did uh, retry um, raw data, and uh, I still didn't like it. Um, I I don't I don't like games that uh, that throw things at your face. You know, things that get in your face when you don't succeed. It's not. Uh, it's very unpleasant in a VR space. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to contrast that today with another game that I th- I think did it much better. Um, and I, I did play some more Valkyrie as well. I played uh, some a, a couple of uh, actual multiplayer matches of Valkyrie, um, and uh, that continues to be really well done. They they really nailed it. Um, but so uh, the three games I tried, uh, the first one is a game called Audio Shield, um, and it just it it looked neat. Um, Audio Shield is a uh, rhythm game actually. Um, and, uh, it does throw things at your face, but, um, they're kind of abstract things. So it's, it's not too bad. Um, but 
you have uh, you can pick any any song you want that between they have some included on there you know with the game and you can load in any any music that is on your computer to play with it um and it will generate uh these bubbles that are are um red and blue and you have a red hand and a blue hand with your your shields uh that your vive controllers kick put put up and so you have to hit the the uh notes that it's it's throwing at you uh with the uh the vive controllers um and uh, i i have to say it played really really well um there are a couple times i got kind of you know lost and it's you know it happens to any rhythm game and it, once stuff starts like kind of running into your face it's a little odd for a moment um but uh it played really well. I pl- I played a couple of different songs on it, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so I recommend Audio Shield. I think it's it was a fun game. Um, the uh, second game I tried is uh, called Quiver, uh, which is Q U I V R, um, and uh, Quiver is a uh, bow and arrow game, uh, which which kind of makes sense. Um, there's actually a couple of these. I w- I, I know there's at least one more I want to try out and and kind of compare them. Um, but uh the you know the thing is is quiver had like raw data you have you know you have this approaching onslaught of enemies that you have to take out but the big difference is that uh quiver never puts you in front of them there's actually um you're you're defending some gates that are what are actually under attack and you can actually teleport to different positions around you know this this canyon that you're defending but there are never things really approaching you um and and that makes a huge difference. Um, it was entirely comfortable to play. It didn't bother me at all. Um, I I actually this is one of the first VR games I can really feel like I'm gonna I, I'm gonna you know come back and play multiple times and try and get better and better at because you know there's you you have to reach behind you to grab an arrow and then you have to get it into the right position on the the bow to to knock it and then you pull it back and then you fire it um, and uh, I, I can really see where there's there's a lot of of room to improve my skills with the game, and uh, you know I'm I'm definitely not not you know Oliver Queen with this thing, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I highly recommend Quiver. Um, it's it's one of the higher recommended games to begin with uh, for the Vive, um, and I will definitely be playing it a lot more. And then uh, the third game I tried, uh, which I probably had higher expectations for it than what I got um, was I tried this game called in mind VR um, which was very much like a it, it didn't use controllers at all it literally was like you go through like a, a, a area of cells and you stare at the cells that turn red um, to uh, cure them and it's it's you know like you're miniaturized into a, a human body I think they're neurons they're brain cells um, so you're, you, and you just kind of float around on rails. You have no navigation there. You just, you, you go on the rails and you stare at the red dots until they go away. And that was it. And I think I played it for like literally three minutes. Um, that was, that was like the whole game experience for this game. Um, and they have a newer version that I guess has some, incre- you know, additional difficulty levels and stuff that they came up with called Incel VR, uh, which is kind of the sequel, but I haven't tried that one yet. But I, I, it's very much the same thing as far as I've heard is in terms of being kind of a rails, uh, you know, a rails stare and shoot. But it runs on anything because it's, you know, not dependent on controllers. So it's it's fully multi-platform with, you know, mobile VR headsets and stuff like that. So how's your how's your uh, whole VR setup going in your house? I think you're, you're putting some information out earlier that you've really been uh, 
like trying to get your get it tuned up with like distances in your room and all kind of other stuff like that and looking at the different peripherals like how's your uh how's the uh, uh the Sirizel holodeck coming along it you know it barely fits in this room there's a, literally there was a table i had to fold up and remove to uh to uh fit the minimum size in here and it's um and the table's already back up so it's already you know taken up space again and i don't have enough room to play it that way anymore um but uh, one of the, the the other thing I forgot to mention was uh, I figured out how to turn on the camera on this sucker, um, and it's it's actually it's really surprising to me that that is disabled by default and that they don't step you through that immediately because it made the experience drastically better. Um, some of the things that you can do with the camera is you can have it show you know some of the perif- it can sh- start to show you the camera as you approach the boundaries of your VR space that you've outlined in the room. Um, you can also, uh, the setting that I use quite a bit is uh, where you just double click the system button on your on a Vive controller and uh, it'll overlay what you can pick up on the camera. And it's not like, it's not like a photorealistic view that it gives you. It's, it's kind of like a, um, it does like a, it's kind of this blue holographic effect almost of all your stuff. And in my case, it's a lot of piles of stuff on the edges of my VR space. Um, and uh, it, it helped immensely in terms of, you know, taking on and off the con- uh, the headset and being able to set down the controllers and stuff. Because I could actually just double click a button and then see where my dang table was. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's hidden in a menu option. There's a, there's a setting to turn on the camera. And uh, it, it just it drastically improves the experience of playing with this thing. Um, and I, I don't know why it wouldn't be default, except for the fact that um, I, I think there are some potential performance issues, depending on the rate you have it set at. Um, I have it set at, it, like, by default, it's a 60, you know, 60 frame rate off the camera. And the uh, it didn't perform too well when I had that. And so I set it down to 30. And then it worked okay. So I, I think they have it disabled for performance reasons by default, but it, it's really, it's a must have to have the camera on this thing. Well, you are fast growing uh, as the number one VR expert here on the show. Uh, so uh, in light of that, one of the things we've all decided, this is hopefully, hopefully the people, hopefully anybody <laughs> listening to this live is going to record this just in case Zell tries to, to monkey with it later. Zell is absolutely going to start putting some of these videos up. We're going to do some selfies of him uh, getting his VR on. And we are incredibly glad here at the Biomass Media Empire to be able to bring you Sarai Zell live, or at least we'll, we'll ch- Twitch stream him probably from an iPhone video uh, as we watch him like two gun John Wick style, get his gun foo on with the big space helmet on his face and we'll make sure he's wearing a double-breasted suit. It yeah, that's, awesome. that's that's not going to happen. But speaking of, though, um, the thing that I learned was a thing this week that I, I'm truly excited about is um, there is a there is actually a John Wick Chronicles game for the HTC Vive that is coming out uh, next month. Um, I actually found out because there was a Humble Bundle, and it, it, it was like literally a three-day Humble Bundle in the middle of the week, so it's already gone. Um but there was a humble bundle that you got like payday two with like a, a John Wick weapons pack thing, and uh, another game by the same company that makes this John Wick VR game, and then you could get you could pre-order this John Wick Chronicles, and then there was a step above that 
where they would give you John Wick's John Wick the movie for Steam and then tickets for John Wick 2 to a theater that I don't intend to go see the movie at. So I didn't get that level of the package, but I did I did get the one that gives me a pre-order for John Wick Chronicles for HTC Vive. So I will be able to uh review the uh, the John Wick game for in VR when when it comes out. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that. That should be really cool. I, I still I still want to see you like in full samurai regalia with the uh with some sort of like VR like sword in your hands like screaming at the top of your lungs as you as you swat at imaginary ninjas I I can't like scream at the top of my lungs in my condo cuz I already yelled at the people above me for making too much noise so That's I, totally I, I don't want to be I don't want to be a hypocrite you're 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 this, this is not about you being a hypocrite this is about you being like true to yourself as an actual uh uh, like quasi journalist. Uh, well, we'll have to work with it with Zellan and getting that all sorted out. But uh, you know that that'll be coming soon. We'll have to get our own domain name. We'll we'll, we'll link to it on dates for bait, and we can get to uh, you know VR with Zell, and it'll be a new segment that we can release on Twitch. So uh, if he says he's not doing it, he's lying um, because he doesn't have a choice. If it gets uh, me a date, I might do it. I'm just saying. Vronly.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we, I'm sure we can arrange this. <laughs> we, we we can we, we can put together a fund and get you a date for for at least one night if it if it gets you to do VR uh, shenanigans on on camera. So we'll, we'll work on that one. Uh, but yeah, any, anything else on on the VR stuff, Zell? Before we move along here. Nope, that's my update. I got you know Audio you? Shield Quiver. Um, I recommend them. Uh, don't bother with the InMind VR. All right, sounds good, man. Um, my quick review, and I, I mentioned I do it last week. Um, I did pick up the new Kingdom Hearts game. This is Kingdom Hearts 2.8, uh, and it, it comes with kind of three portions of it. Uh, one is an HD remake of the Dream Drop Distance game that came out on 3DS. Um, this this whole thing's on PS4, so it's the 3DS remake. Um, there's a new segment which is called Kingdom Hearts 0.2: Birth by Sleep, a fragmentary passage, because Square Enix cannot name anything simply. Uh, and then there's a, a movie which kind of is a, a backstory to the whole uh franchise just kind of a this is how it all started so it's kind of a cg uh movie i I did not get a chance to uh try the hd remake of the 3ds game though i have played the original and i did not get to watch the movie however i did play through the new material um in its entirety which is the the birth by sleep bit so uh first and foremost if you are new to the series and you're looking at kingdom hearts three and kind of want to hop in this game is not for you um it's for one it's more of kind of a a backstory demo to kind of show off the uh the engine and all that and and, and provide some some clarity to the story of, of what happened to a particular character between uh the original birth by sleep and the new kingdom hearts 3 coming out so if you're new to the series don't play this you'll be confused as hell i'd even say that if you've only played kingdom hearts 1 and 2 but none of the side games don't play this you're going to be very confused um i would wait to pick up the uh the package that's coming out for ps4 i think in march this year that's the 1.5 and 2.5 and that, that will basically give you everything in the series um up until this point uh and play through all of that and that will probably give you enough context to pick this one up and then actually understand what's going on um so this is definitely a game that is for people who are very familiar with everything that's been released so far uh that being said if you are familiar with that um i won't spoil anything but it is uh about four hours long just kind of just a straight playthrough. 
Um, there's lots of achievements in the inside stuff that you can do, so you could probably stretch that out um, a couple more hours if you wanted to. Uh, I, I believe there is a hidden boss. I did not unlock that, so I'll have to go back and give that a shot. But um, yeah, so if it's using kind of the new engine that Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be using um, with some minor changes, but if you kind of want to get a feel for how the game is going to look and play um, on the PS4, this is a very good way to, to kind of get into that and, and kind of get you hyped up for the, the, the Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out. Um, but yeah, it, it's good, good story. Um, it does tie things together really well um, in, in some clever ways. Uh, so it kind of, like I said, brought some clarity to the things that are going on. Um, and it definitely leads up to a very, I'll, I'll compare it to Rogue One in how well it ties into the ending. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Come on, yeah. come on. Obviously not in, in storytelling, but just kind of the way where you're seeing the events of one of the original games from a different perspective um, and how they got there was actually was pretty well done. So in, in that regard, like I said, it reminded me of Rogue One where it's like, okay, so that's how they got to that exact moment, um, obviously from kind of the other side of the story. So it, it was it was good in that regard. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, hey, it's... I, 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 I got to tell you, because me and you are cool and shit, I'm going to let that one go. Let that <laughs> one go. <laughs> you don't get that many of those, okay? <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, so like I said, if you're familiar with the series, uh, I'd, I'd say this is worth picking up. It, it's it's good stuff, at least the parts that I've, I've done so far. So I'll uh, give the other two bits uh, a try this week, hopefully, and, and come back with, with my thoughts on that. But uh, yeah, the Birth by Sleep part is worthwhile, so that's what I have to say on that. Um, so any other gaming topics before we kind of move into our, our final discussion here? Um, anything else? Okay, so uh, this this topic actually came from Ripley Riley um, in our Discord channel, and he kind of proposed the question of um, monetization in, in alphas and betas or, or early access. And, and Jay kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, I kind of want to go a bit more in depth. And so, I mean, uh, what kind of brought about this this conversation initially was uh, discussing, you know, how CCP monetized dust and in particular how they were selling stuff in the beta and how they would handle potentially alpha beta access for nova and and you know monetizing that and it kind of you know expanded out into people's thoughts on if a company is running an alpha or a beta is it appropriate or tacky to uh you know offer monetization options where you can you know for example buy into the beta or if you want to buy cosmetics or what have you uh, whatever the game may be um just kind of want to go around and get everyone's thoughts on on you know do you think that's that's okay is it kind of cheesy is it something you hate dislike do you like that it's kind of kind of open up to the flooring and get your guys thoughts on Um, on monetization um there are there are ways to do it that are I think are okay, and there are ways to do it that I think are not okay. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I've seen a couple games do that I have no problem with is um, to to offer like a founders pack that gets you kind of like a, a a good set of starter you know equipment at a at a really good rate compared to you know what it'd be if you you know bought the game or started buying stuff in the game when it comes out. Um, I played Heroes of the Storm that way. Um, I, I tried it out, and they had like this cool Founders Pack thing that got you like ten heroes or something like that for you know uh, a fairly cheap price with a bunch of skins and other add-ons to it. And I bought it, and it was it was cool. Um, as far as buying into the beta, um, 
it's it, it I can maybe get that somebody I, I've I've been really frustrated sometimes when I can't get a beta invite to something that um you know is only being given out randomly. So I guess I can side with the notion that um I'm okay with you know buying into a beta if it's you know if I'm an enthusiast for it I'm willing to pony it up okay. But that should never be like that should be like because I said say bought the game. If you you know if you buy the game and they say okay if you buy the game if you pre-order the game you get into the beta. That makes sense to me. That's cool. Um but uh I I you know I started with kind of what I think is is great and okay. Um I I'll tell you my my sticking point for the far end of evil um is uh what Elite Dangerous tried to pull and I'm I'm I've probably ranted about this on the show before, uh, but they actually charged more the earlier you wanted to get in on their their alpha and beta testing. So, like, they had, like, an alpha tier, and then, like, a premium beta tier, and then a normal beta tier, and then, like, I mean, you had to, if you wanted to pay up at the time that I was like, hey, maybe I'll try this other game that's kind of like Star Citizen... It was like if I wanted to play then I had to pony up like two hundred bucks, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm never doing business with you. You guys suck. Um, don't do that. Betas are are where you're supposed to test things and try things, and people should not have to pay you extra money to be your to do your work for you. I mean, there was a day when when companies you know had game testers that they hired to do that job, and uh, now the you know kind of the go to thing is is you know, oh yeah, just just throw it at the players, and the players will try it. That's fine. I don't mind. I like giving feedback. Don't ask. Don't, but you should be at at best. You should be paying me. I shouldn't be paying you to for the right to beta test something. Don't charge extra for betas, and don't ever and consumables. Don't sell consumables in betas. If 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 I buy something early and I get to use it, and then I get to use it again in the game, cool. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I I think. The, the, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Zell, generally. Uh, I will say this, though, if you look at it from the business side, if you depend, and I think this is heavily dependent on who you are releasing the game. If you're, if you're a studio that's confident you're going to release and you're going to get, you know, a couple million people to, to pick up your game, you know, in the first month it's out just because of your name, because the brand that you are, or the brand of the game, or whatever, uh, it, it makes perfect sense for them from their perspective to basically release the game and get some beta playtesting, and people pay to do it. You know, that 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 from a business model standpoint, from that for, from their end, makes really good sense. Uh, but who, you know, who you don't hear ever doing this are it's any studio or any game that's going to come out that nobody's quite like you don't know it. Hey, it's the first true offering from that studio or it's like a smaller studio or maybe an indie group like that. You'll never like that model doesn't work for them. That only really works for like uh, well-known uh, IPs with good, good market cachet already or a, a large in-house game, you know, like game design studio that, that just like, Hey, when, EA makes a game or when whoever you be or whoever is making a game blizzard, probably a good example. Um, you're going to just because it's them making it, you're, you're going to put money into it. Cause you know, you're probably going to eventually buy the game anyway. Now I am a big fan of, 
I call it the it's sort of the, the pseudo Kickstarter where you know pretty deep into the beta or into the really probably into the alpha. Uh, the developer starts releasing, like you said, the founder packs type things, you know, like the uh, sort of plank owner rewards, if you will, where you you can like secure like uh, cool cosmetics or, you know, different collector's items, whatever's um, for a small nominal fee. I don't I don't mind that too much. And actually, it's usually pretty cool. And a lot of a lot of those type of things aren't usually depending on the kind of game, by the way, it's. They're not like in-game, like super powerful activities. And usually they are truly cosmetic in nature or they're like side grades, not upgrades to whatever, whatever you're messing with. I actually think that's a really smart thing to do. You, you start to get people somewhat engaged in the game uh, a little earlier. That means they're following it. They're probably more likely to talk to their friends about it. So I, th- I think that's probably okay. Uh, I think the Uber extreme is really the, you know, kind of the star citizen stuff that is just off the hook. Crazy. In my opinion, that that's, I mean, I'm not afraid to put some money down on a game if I like it, you know, like I, I am the, I am probably the perfect person that, that the free to play game that the quote unquote triple a free to play game markets made for. It's somebody that will get a free to play game. And then if I like it, which you can usually figure out in about the first two hours, I'll turn around and drop 50, 60 bucks on it very quickly. Cause like, eh, that's about the amount of money I would have paid for it anyway in the store. Therefore I'm going to put that much money into it. And as long as I am semi enjoying it, I might actually put more money into it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think Zell, your observation is pretty, pretty well dialed in on it right now. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good points there. I, I think the, the one that the kind of the, where this discussion went on Discord was um, the idea that monetization in the beta would effectively fund the game to continue um, development. And I think kind of the, the split yeah, in conversation. That's called Kickstarter. That's called Kickstarter. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that I don't have an issue with that as long as they tell you that's what they're doing. I don't like when the implication is that, hey, we've made this game and we're selling you stuff. But in reality, you may be buying stuff for a game that's never completed because we need more people to buy stuff to finish it. And I think that that's kind of a big difference there. Because if if you're assuming that the game will be completed, if it's a Blizzard game or whatever, for example you know that they've already funded the game. It's going to be finished no matter what. So when you make that investment of, hey, I'm going to spend money on this game, you're, you are you have a very good guarantee that the game will actually be finished and you will get to you know properly use the thing that you purchased because you purchased it with the understanding that the game would be released. Um, but if it's, uh, you know, like a, like a shakier, you know, indie title where, you know, they... You know, they may be kind of flying by the seat of their pants, like you said, like in a Kickstarter situation where they may not be able to afford to finish the game simply because they don't have the capital up front, but they can at least get a beta out or an alpha out and then monetize on top of that and use that fund to finish the game. I am so okay with that, but I want them to tell me up front so I understand the risk that I'm taking in spending money. I think that's kind of the critical part there is that, you know, if you're going to monetize, let us know what it's for. If, it, if it's actually for funding the game, I, I want to know that, but if it's you know, hey, we're we're selling cosmetics, and I think cosmetics are are 100 fine. Um, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, the shit that, that Zell described is is extremely anti-consumer, and that's that's bullshit with the the star the elite dangerous. I'm sorry, um, that that's that pisses me off. That's that's not okay. Um, same with what Zell said with consumables. Um, I think that if it 
you're buying a consumable for a beta, and if it's going to, as most betas do, wipe character progression at the end, I want that stuff back. Um, I, I think that, you know, you know, you can argue that, hey, it was used for the beta, and you got your enjoyment out of it. And, I, and that's a valid argument, I guess. But I think the expectation should be up front that anything you buy in the beta will actually carry over to the final game. Even if character progression is wiped, I think I should get that stuff back. And, and I think I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I think for the most part, I'm, I'm most looking for transparency in what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. Because um, I don't inherently have an issue with with monetization i think like i said cosmetics are great um you know i'm fine with with doing it for production if, if that's the the, the standard they, if that's the expectation they've set i'm fine with that um consumables if you get the refund at the end i mean you could even argue that if it's kind of a situation where you know you buy we'll just say orum for example and then you spend the orum on whatever in the beta if they want to fully refund you all at orum so you can perhaps make a different choice after the fact once the game's released um i'm fine with that um but yeah it's it's touchy i think it's it's a matter of how you do it is, is quite critical if you should do it because i think for the most part if you have people willing to spend money you're gonna do it because you want to make money that's kind of the, the end goal it's just a matter of, of doing it in a way that isn't going to end up being you know anti-consumer or kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes in hopes that they give you money for something that isn't necessarily true you know yeah no i i think you're i think you're really spot on with that one the i'm sitting here thinking through this and the number and the ways that uh, games make money has changed so dramatically. Um, it's not just as simple as, you know, what we're talking about is, if you really think about it, I'm not going to say it's a relative, it's a thin, you know, slice of the, of the gaming market. Uh, but it's, it's certainly not a pervasive one, but it is, it's more, it's, I think it's noticeable because it's, again, it's usually tied to, uh, you know, larger sort of AAA titles or, or studios. So it, it tends to garner quite a bit. Um, I, I think of all the way from the Star Citizen model down to like right now I can hop on the place on the, you know, the PlayStation store and you can you pre-order almost anything and, and get, you know, some perks generally for pre-ordering. But you know, when you get beta access, a lot of times what I've noticed now is like there's not a lot of I mean, there are some consumables you get in beta, but generally uh, a lot of the things that you tend to get now are are enduring. Again, they're like cosmetic in nature. They'll be like a like a title or, you know, icons or stuff like that. There, there's other there's other ways that they entice you with it. that are more that have some longevity. But you know, your point about the consumables is, is very accurate. Um I will say this though, some, not not every game in their beta wipes progress. Like so, for example, World of Tanks when that came out for PlayStation uh, for the beta, whatever you did in beta, like whatever like tank progress you made, like unlocking tanks and different stuff, that actually stuck with you. So that actually was an incentive for people to get into the beta was that that progress would stand. Now the difference is in that in that game model, um, you know, World of Tanks has a has a very, very solid game model in terms of like that not really affecting you too much uh, in terms of gameplay because you generally are only fighting people more or less in your same weight class, so to speak. Um, the other thing, you know, one of the things that, that you mentioned, Pokey, was sort of like that, that relative level of trust in different studios. Uh, I'm, I, 
I think back to that conversation we had with uh, Mitch Gittleman out of Hairbrain Hairbrain Studios. Their Kickstarter model was very unique that a lot of other people are have been trying to copy with varying degrees of success. They in-house fund the base game like 100%. That's what they come up with the base game. They lay it out and then they put very, very hard definable markers down for how much Kickstarter money they get. That equals not the base game that equals the add-ons to the game or the other things that they can work on. And right now that model is at least for, you know, like a gaming sort of thing that I think, I think to date, if I go back and look at their metrics again, I think Hairbrain's still the most successful Kickstarter gaming, uh, you know, activity out there by, by a long shot. Uh, and again, it goes back to we're guaranteeing you're going to get a game and it's going to be of X quality. Now, X, you're going to get X plus plus with every marker they hit. And, and you know, and often, and like, I, think, I think in their games, that often includes uh, beta access at some point, too, which is, is, you know, again, that's not unheard of. And heck, you, could, you don't even have to pay for beta access for some games. I've, I've been on more than a few when you just sign up to their, their website, you know, log into their little high speed website and, uh, you know, like apply to their forms or whatever you get some level of early access. Uh, so I, generally, I would say paying for the privilege of betaing is not the thing. Now, if you've already pre-ordered the game, pre-ordered the game and you happen to get beta as part of it, uh, you know, the access to beta, I'm not, it's, I don't know that that's a big deal. Where I usually take an issue with it is really when they start uh, really pimping it out hard, kind of like the, the Robert Space Industry stuff, uh, where you're really paying for something that you like, are absolutely not confident is going to actually be in the game. So I, I guess that would be my my two and a half cents and some extra change on the on the subject. Yeah, I mean pre-orders for betas. I mean, arguably you could pre-order the game on Amazon, get into the beta, and then cancel your pre-order if you really wanted to. I hate doing that because it feels you know kind of sleazy. But if that's the direction they're going to take with it, fine. But you know, paying to get into a beta, it's it, it, this is the point that Zell brought up earlier that. You know, in effect, if it really is a beta where they actually want crowdsourcing to test this, you're basically doing them a favor and in exchange, they get to kind of try out the game early. You shouldn't have to charge them for the right to work for you, basically. Um, and, and so I, I do take uh, quite a bit of offense to the, to the idea of, you know, you have to pay to do work for us. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Where it gets kind of hazy, and, and this is probably a, an example a lot of you will, will understand is um, the mercenary pack in, in dust 514, where you got, I believe it was $20 and you got $20 of in-game stuff. It was some BPOs, 20 bucks in Orem, you know, it was a good deal, but it also came with access to the beta. If you weren't in there already. Um, and, and that's, that's a little iffy because I mean, yeah, you, people who were already in the beta would buy that because it was a good deal. But also, if you weren't selected for the beta, you effectively had to buy into the beta. Um, I'm a little more okay with that, I think, because, like I said, it also came with other stuff that was worthwhile. Um, but it does kind of still grab me the wrong way that you you have to pay to get into a beta. So I'm, I'm a little iffy on that one. Um, but as what you're saying, Jay, and I was actually going to bring this up as well um, with with hairbrain schemes, with the whole we're going to give you a base game, but you know we're selling these cosmetics or whatever in the beta, and if we reach this milestone, we will um, 
add new features. I'm that's awesome. I think that's that's something people could actually really get behind. That you know they're they're guaranteed what they paid for, what they're planning on paying for. Um, but I would certainly be more inclined to buy more stuff if hey, you know, if you you know buy X number of these drop suit skins, we'll add a new PVE game mode. That's that's we're playing. It's gonna be this, this, and this. And be very transparent with it and go. It's gonna it's gonna cost this much to do it. You know, this is where you guys are at. If you make this benchmark, we're gonna we're gonna you know go into full production on it, and it will be in the game guaranteed. Um, I think that if you offer that level of transparency, people are far more likely to open up their wallets if they like the base game, which, you know, as we say, you have already guaranteed them because you fund in-house and that is the expectation. Um, and I, I think that's a great model. I think that's, that's the way it should be. Um, if you can't afford to put everything you want into it, but, you know, you still want to do it, um, that's, that's a very good way to do it because it gives people the choice to, Hey, I, I support the idea of, of getting this thing. So I'm going to, you know, offer my additional support to, to get there. Um, and that's very pro consumer. I'm, I'm all about that. That's good stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's touchy, you know, like I said, it's, it depends on how you do it. And there's lots of ways that it can be done. Um, and we've have lots of examples of really horrible ways to do it. Like, you know, uh, Elite Dangerous, for example, or Star Citizen, I think is also kind of iffy. But the those people are insane. Sorry, Zell, you're all insane. I, I, no, um, I, it's just <laughs> the the only the only defense that I'd put up in front for Star Citizen is that getting the like if you pay like the thirty five or forty dollars or whatever it is for a starter package gets you the ability to play the entirety of the content in the game, and it you. Know, I mean, except for the actually being able to fly around the larger ships, and those you just steal from people. It's easy. Um, but yeah, it's it's not like there's a, a high barrier of entry to uh, to play the game or or play certain certain parts of the content. You'd have to like pay extra to play Star Marine or something like that. True, but you're still forking out. 35 45 bucks for a game that i assume costs 60 on launch i mean what are they going to sell this thing for or or will you get the game for free it's already bought into it's it already, early it's already included and the, so so as someone who's put forth 45 bucks because yeah i did it i bought it into the star citizen thing just to yeah, see what it you, was like you, yeah you own I, I will star get the game on yes, launch okay. yes and uh the only the only potential thing to look at depending on when you got it is i think several months ago they decided to divide um, uh, Squadron 42, which is the single-player game, from uh, Star Citizen, which is the multiplayer game, and say that they, you know, that they're they're sold as separate items. But if you bought in before they did that, you have everything. Um, but okay, but, yeah, I mean, it, so if you pre-ordered way back when and you just bought like a, a you know some starter package. You have everything. You get the single player, the multiplayer, everything that they've been putting out for the last couple of years. You can all play, except you don't have a computer that can run it. And and I mean to be fair, I I think Star Citizen has been pretty pretty open that, that you know these sales are to fund the production of the game. It, it's they they really made no attempt to say that they're funding this whole thing themselves. So I'll, I'll give them props for that that transparency and, on that. That's and they right. have repeatedly stated, and they state on every page selling anything that everything that they're selling is available in game or or will be available in game in the final game, and that you know you you're really just purchasing that to support the game. No, I, I think. 
part of where they have failed, and, and this is where Hairbrain, you know, these are really good, a good um, model, is that I feel that because Star Citizen has promised so many things, they haven't really set a clear path of, once we reach this, this point, we're going to actually finish it, and then we'll start raising funds for the next feature. And so what you end up getting is that they just start promising, hey, give us more money, and we'll do all of this crazy shit. And the scope creep gets way out of hand, and then they get massive delays oh, yes. because there's no way they can do it all. That's that's where they really they really screwed it up. Is that oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Structure I do, it properly I do, in, in I very do, clear way. I do expect Star Citizen to eventually hit something, some semblance of a release title, but we're already years past when it was supposed to. It's not going to be this year, probably. Um, so, it's but. Yeah, it's a scope creep nightmare. And this is a the Star Citizen cautionary tale, whether the game comes out or not, is don't promise this much crud before the game's out. This is this is what I hear every time I generally hear Zell talking about Star Citizen. <clears throat> it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be magnificent. A terrific game. One of the best games that we got terrific people in charge of it. It's it, it's gonna be huge. It is going to be the best game ever, and we're going to do it bigly. That's what I hear. <laughs> that is what I hear when I oh, hear Daryl talk that about was, Star Citizen. That, that was great. So good. That was wonderful. That's so good. Well, we tried not to get this show going too political, but that was great. Well, hey, I, I opened up last week with a with a Trump Twitter joke, so I mean, you know, it works. Um, but yeah, so so kind of this is a closing thing, just kind of wrapping it all up here, guys. Um, just kind of in a general statement, you know, just real briefly, like, what are your guys? What's the kind of monetization you you would not want to see um, associated with an alpha or a beta? I mean, we strong boxes, for a lot strong of it. boxes. That's fair. I think that's a terrible model in general, um, and I see a lot of games doing it, and that's scary. Uh, what about you? Uh, I would. I'm to, to be honest with you. I, I think I, I shy away from any game that seems to offer, uh, you know, a a a high end piece of kit loot or some kind of boon or advantage, like something that will give you an absolute market advantage uh, if you buy it during that window. Uh, it's like limited time offer only for the beta. You get like you know the you know, special like death zapper 5,000 or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, I get a little bit leery of those one, because it's indic it's indicative of games that are just absolute like loot fest grindy games uh, that they're willing to put that out there. And then, and two, I, I like, there's not a lot of like the, the true, like pay to win games, actual like true pay to win games, have kind of gone by the wayside. There's a lot of like play to get your shit faster games. Um, but I always get a little nervous when I hear that kind of stuff. When you have like, you know, these, if you're, and it's, you know, something not cosmetic, something gives you a market advantage in game or a, a different set of tools that you can use in game. That That's something I'm, I'm always a little hesitant on. I'd probably relook actually getting into the game period if I saw that. But generally, if it's like I said, side grades, not upgrades, and if it's like cosmetic or um, you know, you get like VIP, like a lot of games are like somewhat subscription based or something like that. You get like VIP access or whatever. I, like that little stuff like that, I don't mind. I'm actually kind of okay with. But you, you know, there's a there's a ten thousand uh, dollar level of VIP access for Star Citizen. <laughs> yep, and I bet they made Mexico pay for that shit too. <laughs> 
Ooh, ooh, okay. I think I think we're good for the show here. Um, anything else you guys wanted to cover real quick before I bring this one in for a close? Nope, I'm good. All right, sounds good. So we're going to kind of move into shout-outs here. Uh, starting at the top of the list with Zell. Shout-outs, man. Uh, you know, this has occurred... 141 times and i want to say that about 100 of them i was not ready for this and i'm still not you're killing me (laughs) i think zell's maybe about like five times maybe maybe 10 he's actually been ready i I think you're pushing it (laughs) that's probably i think five might be generous all right Uh, i think livy's mic is is still broken so we're gonna pass her um jay shout outs Okie dokie. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to give a shout out to a couple different people real quick. Uh, one, I do recommend you, you guys take a look at uh, Tech Eris. Again, we had uh, we had one of the uh, the folks on from, from that. It's actually a pretty cool website. Pretty good one-stop shop. It's uh, I, I probably have about three or four websites that I kind of like generally check on a routine basis, like out like outside of like normal news ones. Uh, Tech Eris' ones, comicbookmovie.com is actually really really good, uh, and and has has a lot of pretty pretty solid information. Game Informer is also pretty good. Uh, th- those are really good sort of uh, like you know quick hits if you just want to like you know kind of focused entertainment gaming news. Those are really generally pretty good. Um, I would like to give a quick shout out to Disney Interactive. So I found this, I found a game that you can download on PlayStation 4 and I think Xbox One. Uh, it's it's about 20 bucks. It's called uh, Tron Runner. And it, it's it's actually incredibly well done. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty simple game. It's basically, you know, kind of the sort of platforming running type games that you'd see like maybe on a tablet or something like that, but blown up like big boy style in real life for, uh, you know, like a major, like a major console. It's they're you know, beautiful is not the right word, but it's extraordinarily well done. Uh, it looks super sharp. Uh, they've got a lot of neat uh, little DLCs for it, stuff like that. You like the, some of the classic, um, you know, Characters like you know the classic Flynn from the original Tron, stuff like that. Really, really good soundtrack to it, uh, and and it's actually a lot of fun to play. It's actually relatively challenging if you like kind of old school platformer like runner type games. Uh, I highly recommend you, you check it out. It's been out for quite a while. Uh, I've never I've never heard of it, but it's actually pretty pretty solid. So that was my little shout out to uh, Disney Interactive. I'm a I'm a huge Tron fan. I what I saw that show when I was. Um, I want to say it came out when I was maybe six, um, somewhere around there, six or seven, something like that. And uh, it blew my mind. You know, like if you go look at it now, it's it's really like, wow, what, you know, somebody thought this was a thing. Well, when you look at the date that the movie came out and you realize that that was, you know, that was pretty phenomenal when it did. Uh, so I've always been like a Tron fan over the, you know, over the years. And, and I am to this day aghast at the fact that nobody could come up with a Tron video game that was worth a shit. Uh, just for the record, uh, the closest I've seen to it was on my kids, um, the little Disney, the little thing with the, the figurines or the little, the little toys you put on the, on the platform you can play on your, uh, your PlayStation. God, what was it called? Mm-hmm. Infinity. It called? Infinity. Uh, Infinity yeah. The closest I saw to that was when you could get like the, uh, like 
the Sam and Quora from Tron Legacy, those figures, and put it on your Infinity, and you know had you know, like little Tron gameplay on there. But uh, so that was pretty good. So Disney Interactive for uh, Tron Runner, uh, that would be that would be a pretty solid shout out. I would also let's see, I'm not a huge sports ball fan. Uh, well, I am, or at least I used to be, but I do. Uh, I will give a shout out to everybody who made it to the Super Bowl. I'll figure out what teams they are later. And uh, so hats off to you guys. One of you two is going to be the best in the world, at least for a year. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. All right, Zell, he has stalled a lot for you. Yeah, no yeah, shit. I had to, like, yeah, get, I have to... I'm, I'm over here like doing Google food to try to come up with something he, he to talk about. He defaulted to football, okay. <laughs> I, this is hard. Um, May you put, look okay. at, all right, so for everybody out there in biomass, like Media Land, that, that like, you know, the, the four of you that listen to this show, not counting the three of us on it. So let, let me tell you, Zell puts in serious work before the show. I mean, he's got show notes. There's like Snapchats. He's got diagrams. There's PowerPoint slides. And what he can't do is figure out how to say three sentences that says, great show, guys. I want to give a shout out to Miss McGillicuddy, who like, you know, uh, like walking my dog or something like 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 you're you're killing me, man. All right, you know what? Fine, I will give a shout out to my parents, which I don't do very often. Never have actually. Um, they made steak today, and I got to eat some. That was it. I it was food I didn't have to pay for, didn't have to cook, and it was fine. You know what? I I can work with that. Like it like that that was good. So you you connected with uh, with the human side, the audience is now they have some empathy with you. This is good talked about mom and dad that's that's awesome so i i will i will at least give that one a passing grade this time okay so like your homework for next week is you need to pre-write your shout out before you get on the show (laughs) i know i i keep telling myself i need to like put a shout out in the show notes and just be like at the end of the show notes soraya's shout out is well, yeah, that that would be a, that would actually, or at least make a bullet note for yourself, so so, you, so it comes off natural, man. All right. Well, Zell finally got one out, but yes, you have homework. You thing is, we give you all show long. You can you can possibly think of something, please, so we're not totally derailing at the end here. Yeah, I'm. I'm, um, I'm very I'm, much. I'm, I want to see the shout out next week, and you know what? I've got all kind of faith in you. Uh, because I know you're going to put a lot of time into it, and, and it's going to be huge. I, it is going to be a magnificent shout out. I know this. Like it's it's done. I already know, and it's going to be and it's going to be terrific. I think you should just do like a whole show as Donald Trump while you're at it. I mean, I, you know, I don't think I can handle you know, that. Break out some, so, uh, you know, just take after Alec Baldwin. Just start, you know, trumping it out. I don't know. <sighs> All right. So my shout out. We'll give a shout out to Jay for for one of the, the better Trump impersonations I've heard in a while. So that was pretty solid. Um, my other shout is going to go to uh, Libby's brother. Actually, he also plays final fantasy 14. Uh, I don't seem to play directly with him, but he gave me a tip, which saved me probably a couple of weeks worth of effort. So uh, that made me very happy this week. So I did. I, I'm sorry. What was that? What was that? Mr. Golden showers? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, so shout out to him. He's, he's a pretty cool guy and uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, that being said though, we are going to bring something for a close. I want to thank everyone who tuned in either uh, via the stream or via the recording. Um, 
also, you know, thanks for bait for looking stuff up for us, you know, in the middle of the show. But uh, yeah, so if again, if you have any show topics that you want us to go over, we have another one that we're going to save for next week. Um, but uh, yeah, let us know either on Discord, Twitter, email, anything, man. Uh, we are we are good to to talk about whatever you like, even if it's not related to. Uh, you know, Dust Nova, or even gaming for that matter, we can do our best to do some some other, you know, nerdism or movie-related topics, so just let us know. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, thanks for tuning in, and I hope everyone has a safe and good night.